Good morning. Thank you for being with us today. You're listening to An Artist Speaks, presented by Contemporary Art Gallery Online. Contemporary Art Gallery Online represents tomorrow's art giants today. Come visit us at contemporaryartgalleryonline.com, and there you can view and purchase great works of contemporary art, check out our monthly art competitions and exhibitions, our blog and newsletter, view videos of our artist's work, and listen to artist interviews from this show. Today, our guest is Mitchell Spirit. Photography has always been very personal to Mitchell. He uses it not just to document, but also to explore the world around him and record those experiences to share with others. His unique perspective is shaped by interests as diverse as geology, drag racing, and steampunk. He doesn't limit his photography to specific genres or styles. Instead, he lets each experience speak to him in its own way. Topics he has covered extensively in the past include farm life, abstract, musical performance, and motorsports. Well, good morning, Mitchell, and welcome to An Artist Speaks. Uh, Good morning, Mike. Well, welcome to the show, and let's start off this morning by having you tell the audience a little bit more about yourself, Mitchell. Okay, sure. Thank you. Uh, As you know, photography is a longtime passion of mine and a creative version from my bigger office job. Uh, actually, I love anything that allows me to be creative, with photography being the primary outlet. In addition to my day job, I'm also the official event photographer for our company's location. And after doing a lot of that and and kind of just doing my own uh, art for a while, I, I decided in 2015 to kind of step it up and, and go more in uh, more into fine art photography. So. I joined the New Jersey Photography Forum, which is the largest New Jersey group of fine art photographers in the state, and started doing a more serious focus on my fine art photography as opposed to just the event photography and things like that. In addition to photography, I also drag race competitively, and I love exploring old towns. Unfortunately, I live in an area where there's plenty of historic towns nearby to visit and photograph, so that's been a great also way to uh, turn up the juices. Well, Mitchell, when did you first become interested in photography? Uh, what, I used to always be creative when I was younger, and I doodle a lot and things like that. And my parents would give me a little 110 Instamatic camera, which I liked using, but it wasn't until until I turned 13 and I got a real camera. I got an Iconic FS1 <laughs> that my interest really took off. Uh, it was so much better than the little Instamatic camera that I had been using up to that point, and allowed me more control over the images I could capture. So that kind of just set me off in the direction. But I think the real leap was in high school. Uh, I had a visual communications teacher, Doc Smith, who was a photographer by trade, and he helped us learn how to really use the camera for artistic purposes. There were assignments, field trips, and unlimited use of the school's darkroom. I think that's really what he, I learned through him coupled with the use of the camera, I think, is what really started getting me down that road. Well, that is always nice, That uh, and I find that uh, a lot of artists have, there's one person that was a big influence on them. Yeah, and Doc definitely was that influence. He was an influence on a lot of us. I'd never <laughs> used a darkroom before, and I got to love using the darkroom. He showed me a lot of different techniques. He took a lot of time to really 
help us develop one of those avenues, and that was always very meaningful for me. Well, and so today in your photography, Mitchell, uh, are you still using film, or do you also have a digital camera as well? I have both, and <laughs> like, yeah, I actually have a lot of everything. I probably still have my 110 stuck away somewhere, but uh, <laughs> right now I'm predominantly using digital, and mm-hmm. I have a couple of Nikon cameras that I that I use once in a while. I'll still pull the the Konica out, do some film work, maybe some slide work, but for the most part right now I'm focusing on digital because there's just so much more you can do. It's so much more instantaneous in terms of the results you get. And mm-hmm. there's a lot more I can play around with, whereas like, if I do the 35mm, I have to wait to get it developed, then i got to scan it in, things like that. So there's there's trade-offs. Mm-hmm. So I, that's why I'm kind of leaning more right. towards the digital nowadays. Well, you've kind of told us already uh, that you your photography kind of stems from the varied interests you, you have. So let's talk about the, the process that you go through uh, once you have taken a photograph of of something that of interest to you and just walk the audience through uh, the steps you go through after that. Okay. Well, it depends on really what I'm, what I'm going to use the photograph for. If I know, if I have a specific uh, exhibition that I'm getting ready for, I may work it a different way than if I'm doing something for myself or if I'm doing something mm-hmm. for, say, an event. But let's take an example of, of I'm out, I find a shot that I really like. I may not necessarily have an exhibition for it, but what I'll do is uh, upload it to a computer. I actually do a couple of steps. I know other people have their own own uh, workflows, but the one I find very helpful is I'll upload it. I'll then run it through DxO software, which is software that helps correct for any lens camera combination deficiencies. And once it's cleaned up there, then I'll go into Photoshop, do a couple of very light touches, and I don't like getting too heavy into Photoshop or any other uh, creative software, if you like. I prefer to mm-hmm. try to get as much of that of the of the visual into the print to begin with, and then just do fine touches with with curves or levels, things like that. Maybe some selective mm-hmm. cropping, and and then I'm good. Uh, once in a while, I'll go back to some of those photographs. I'll revisit them weeks or months later and then look at them again with a fresh eye and say, okay, could I make this any better? Uh, there was a shot I did for, well, not for, but of a uh, professional pro stock motorcycle racer, Eddie Kraywick, who was waiting at the splitting line to, to race. And it was a nice shot in of itself. Uh, a few months later, I went back and looked at it and started cropping in, cropping in, and I came up with a completely different image, getting in real tight, and that new image actually got accepted into a show a short time later. So mm-hmm. I'm always going back and revisiting old shots and looking at them with a fresh eye and seeing what can I do different, what can I do better, and uh, trying to get to that end result. Well, you do have a lot of varied interests. Is there one in particular that is your favorite uh, or you have more passion for in your photography? Uh, probably the one 
I'm probably most passionate about is motorsports, drag racing. I'm always a I'm a very competitive person by nature, and I've been racing for years. I run a a point series down in English Town, which is a, a major motorsports complex here in New Jersey. Where I will race. Actually, it's almost every other weekend we'll have a race, and I love doing that. And I've pulled the photography into that, so that it's very common to see me at the track when I'm not in the car. You'll see me behind the lens actually shooting other cars, doing wheel stands, uh, different types of race cars, shots of internals of cars, things like that. And a lot of that's actually <laughs> shown up in my exhibition work as well. Well, how do you find time to do that and still work on your car, Mitchell? <laughs> that's tough. People ask me that all the time. It's I've uh, At least I've scaled down. I'm no longer working part-time with the zoo. I'm no longer doing a bunch of other stuff, but... Um, yeah, I've got a full-time job. I got the life here at the house. I've got drag racing, the photography. I'm on a couple of uh, uh, boards, like the Alumni Association at Rutgers. So there's, it's just a matter of trying to find that right balance. And there's times when things overlap. There's, there's definitely days where I'll have three things scheduled for the same day. And it's okay, which one, which one do I have to leave off? And, uh, but when things work out, it's nice. I like keeping busy. Uh, don't like to be too busy, but I like keeping busy, and and I'll fit in the photography when I can. Then it's a matter of okay, work at night to maybe upload and start tweaking the shots and and put a little extra time in, a little less sleep, and eventually it gets done. Well, has there been another photographer or that's had an influence on your work or on your photography? My, my interests are so varied that I'm actually drawn to quite a few artists, each for a different reason. Uh, as a former musician, I used to be in a band when I was younger, and I loved Bob, Bob Gruen's work from the 70s and 80s. He took some of the most iconic rock images, and his style was so raw. He did the original cover for the Ramones album. He's done stuff with Blondie all the way up through stuff to the late 80s. It's just amazing work. The John Lennon uh, NYC t-shirt photo that's pretty iconic. I've had the pleasure of talking to Rick Salmon several times at the Photo Plus Expo, where he's given some really interesting lectures about travel and wildlife work. I love wildlife photography, did a lot of that when I was working for the zoo. And I have some of his books. Uh, Andy Leibovitz's portraiture work is great. Uh, Walter Yost's sports photography. Uh, his book of images from Sports Illustrated entitled Athlete is a must-have, and I've got that on my bookshelf, and I had the pleasure of meeting him once as well. So there's a, a bunch of different artists for, for different reasons. Whether I'm shooting sports, I'm, I'm looking at Walter's work. If I'm shooting wildlife, uh, Rick comes to mind. I, I do a lot of, um, or at least have done more in the past, but I'll still occasionally do some rock or music imaging, and Bob's been a big influence there. So I just I just love all their work. Well, Mitchell, we are getting uh, about halfway through the show, and time, I think, good time to take a commercial break. And when we come back, uh, we'll talk about some of the images you have here on Contemporary Art Gallery Online. All right, sounds good. I want our listeners to know that you can view and purchase Mitchell Spirit's artwork by going to contemporaryartgalleryonline.com. Click on the Search by Artist and then go to the Gallery Artist tab and then scroll down to Mitchell Spirit's name. Contemporary Art Gallery Online is the number one source for showcasing tomorrow's art giants. 
So if you're an artist seeking gallery representation, click on the Artist Member Corner and follow the prompts under the Member Application Process tab. And if you're a designer, architect, or a lover of art who believes that art can turn a house into a home, then come visit us and review some of the wonderful art created by some of the finest artists from around the world. You can search by style, medium, color, size, and, of course, by the individual artist. And, again, to view Mitchell Spears' beautiful art, just click on the search gallery and then follow the prompts to Mitchell's name. Well, Mitchell, let's see here. One of the pieces you have on the gallery that is very interesting is called Railroad Crossing 53. Let's uh, tell the audience about that piece. Okay. Sure. Uh, that was actually a result of my experimenting with a Photoshop technique called twirling, which is which involves using several different filters and layers to transform the image. I had done a series mm-hmm. of shots of different railroad items, scenes, things like that, and I was looking to do some experimenting with twirling and the images that I thought would work weren't really working for me. Starts experimenting with a bunch of other images, and this one had actually been a shot that I'd used straightforward in some other things and had worked well. So going in, there's a certain technique to, to twirling, and it gives you, in the end, it gives you like a ribbon effect that I'm sure if you'd seen the saw a photo, you'd recognize, okay, that's twirling. But what I did was I went in with the, with the recommended settings, started playing around with them, and, and started playing around with numbers and leaving out certain steps, adding additional steps, and all of that in the end, all that experimenting resulted in an image unlike anything I'd created previously, and I loved it. Much more so, I believe, than if I followed the instructions verbatim. So I took that one and, and another image, which is up online, the, the Llama in Flight, which follows closer to the true twirling technique, again, experimenting with things. And the response to both of them was actually so good that they got accepted into an abstract gallery showing about a year ago. Mm-hmm. And it's one of the pieces I'm, I'm always getting uh, good feedback on it was again. It was. It was again from just experimenting with a new technique that I wanted to try out, and I think it comes. It becomes a stronger image this way than if I left it alone, or if I followed the traditional twirling uh, instruction or step by steps. And I'm always looking on how to improve photographs, like I mentioned earlier. In this case, I was experimenting with twirling, but I also look at, okay, what if I crop in tighter? Would it look better if I change it from color to black and white? What if I, instead of shooting fireworks with with a telephoto lens in a vertical format, would that look better than shooting it the traditional horizontal with wide angle lens? And this is just another iteration of, of experimenting, which is something I love to do. Well, the images are are quite unique, and they certainly catch your attention. And um, I know when I'm looking, you you catch yourself staring at them. So (laughs) it is interesting. (laughs) Well, and another image you have on the gallery is called Black Water. Tell the audience about that piece. That one was something that I shot in color, 
And again, it was another instance of going back, revisiting shots, and looking at it, well, how can I make it better? Can I crop it in a little differently, which I did. I cropped it in a little tighter. I switched it over to a black and white, and I liked the effect of the black and white better than the color. It just seemed, mm-hmm. with the metal and the and the water and the darkness, it just kind of seemed to work better. And it actually reminds me of Stephen King, the author, actually does a, a great book called On Writing, and one of the things he says is he'll write a story whether it's a long story or a novel, whatever, and he'll put it away for six months and and go on to something else. Then I'll come back and look at it fresh and then go through and see, okay, does it still stand on its own? Do I, what can I do to improve it? And I, that's kind of the way I approach this photo as well as some others from the series. Mm-hmm. And before I actually presented it in any exhibitions, I started doing experimenting on substrates. And this one I actually printed up on corrugated steel and the mm. copy that's actually on sale in the gallery is the corrugated steel copy there's fortunately i found a a production vendor out in long island that can do pretty much anything i ask them to do there's a couple of things i've done very creatively mm. on uh, pallet wood the uh hanging at the barn i actually printed on pallet wood at one point and that came out great and I'm thinking, I'm thinking of repositioning that and doing a series of those types of images. But the barn image works better on the pallet wood than, say, the black water wood. The black water works better with, with the steel, I think. And I've even done a traditional print and actually have that up in the gallery right now. And it's just in the instance of loving the the. It's not true abstract to me, but it's I love the curve of the line the blacks and the silvers mm-hmm. and the grays and whether it's on, on railroad paper or it's on the corrugated steel, I, I think it's a, a pretty strong image. I've even had the print shop produce stuff on bath salts. There's another image I wasn't sure if I'm ready to put it up on the gallery for sale yet. It's still my private collection. I have an image mm-hmm. that I printed on bath salts of an old washing tub that I found in the woods by an abandoned hmm. chimney, the remnants of a of what had been an old blacksmith shop, and all that's still remaining is some wood, the chimney, and the old washing tub. And I looked at all the different things that the print vendor could do, and one of the things they had experimented with was bath salt. So we tried it with this; it came out great. It smells awesome, and <laughs> uh, they did a really wonderful job. And people look at it, and it's just it's just something that you just don't see in anymore or, na- or ever really. Uh, another thing I had them print for me was uh, there's a winery down the road from us where I've had some art exhibited at. And for them, I produced a 20 by 20 inch image of a scene from their vineyard. And I had them printed on wine corks. I had them laid out end to end and printed on their sides, and by uh, twenty by twenty, it came out really good. You can't get too much smaller than that hmm. because then you start to lose some of the detail where the the corks mm-hmm. curve in. But as uh, a larger <clears throat> image, it works great and it, it stands out. And it's, again, that's another thing that I try to focus on is if I'm doing doing an exhibit or being part of an exhibit or a competition, I'll look at 
what other types of things have been submitted in the past, what are standard images online. Mm-hmm. Like if I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to do a winery scene. Uh, I look up winery in Google Images. I'll look at, okay, what are kind of traditional shots, and I try to then stay away from that because I don't want to submit something mm-hmm. that's been done a thousand times. And if I can't get right. away from that uh, subject matter, how else can I make it different? And fortunately, this vendor can, can pretty much do anything that I need them to do to make it unique. And the, the results have been great. It's an expensive process, but the, the results have been outstanding. Well, that's a very unique uh, concept that you have there, Mitchell. I mean, the uh, use to, to separate your art or your photography from others by not only just being creative, but with the image itself, but then printing it on some very creative um, material, I think is a wonderful conception that you have there. Thank you. It was something that came about kind of organically. A lot of exhibitions Mm. require what they call standard presentation, which is a white mat, black frame. So then you're limited to... (laughs) Okay, what kind of paper are you going to use? What kind of black frame? But at times when you can kind of go outside that, if there's not that limitation, that's when I like to get a little more experimental and do things. Mm-hmm. The uh, Railroad Crossing 53 and the Lyman Flight, when I did that for a gallery last year, I did it front-mounted to polished acrylic, and or face-mounted, rather, to polished acrylic, and no frame, and it made... Everything just popped really well. I used uh, mm-hmm. Kodak metallic print paper to make everything just really stand out, and uh, that's available as well through the gallery. If people want to purchase the shots using the polished acrylic standard, I can also do it on standard Dell paper and, and framing, if you wish. But on the going the experimental route when I'm allowed that flexibility depending on the show, that's where it really kicks my juices in a lot stronger. I'm already on I'm already going down that creative avenue with the photograph and making that better, but when I can also have influence over the presentation, that's when you really mm-hmm. can stand out and you and you see the difference between artists. Well that's so too and it does make your art, as I said earlier, unique and, and I think you know that is always the goal for for artists is you know how do you make your art stand out from other other artists regardless of the medium yours is photography but you know certainly there are a lot of different ways but uh i'm sure and then of course the the issue though is for you know an online gallery like ourselves you know we this is the type of art you really just need to see <laughs> the originals to to really get a good you know feel and flavor of your art so that is but that is an just an amazing uh, uh, idea you've had there and and how you present your art I congratulate you on that oh thank thank you that was one of the things I was worried about when I was putting stuff up on onto this gallery is how do I really get mm-hmm. across okay here's how it's mounted here's how it really looks and and that's still something I'm, I'm working on. And if anyone has any suggestions out there, I'd love to hear them, just so it's maybe more <laughs> representative of of what it looks like on the finished product. 
Now, when you do the standard photography, if you print on just metallic paper or just or card cluster paper or what have you, and do it in a standard white frame, the image will look exactly like what you see in the gallery right now. It's the additional substrate right. that we've got to figure out. Okay, what's the best way to to represent that on a in a two D representation versus just seeing them in person? Right, right. Well, you're very creative, Mitchell. I think you'll figure it out. <laughs> Thank you. I hope so. Well, Mitchell, we are getting towards the end of the show. Uh, and as a successful artist, uh, I always like to ask uh, for any words of wisdom that you would have for a younger artist that's just getting into the industry. So photographers just standing out, the most important word of advice I ever received and can give you is to learn your equipment. Spend a lot of time reading the manuals, check out tutorials, take plenty of shots. It's not like the old days when you had to pay for film and you had to wait wait for the pictures to get developed. Now you can take unlimited <laughs> shots and get instantaneous results and see really what you're doing, what you have to adjust. And you don't need the newest or most expensive cameras either. I've seen some amazing right. work taken with older devices and even camera phones. They're getting to a point now where you can get some really good stuff on them. And conversely... I've seen more than a few poorly executed images taken on very expensive top-of-the-line cameras by owners who didn't take the time to learn how to properly use their equipment. So mm-hmm. once you've gotten used to your equipment, then you can start focusing on subject matter and style. But again, it's it's more about the person behind the camera and knowing about the camera than it is having the best piece of equipment out there. Well, that is good advice. And um, I think uh, I tell tell people that you know, it is all about practicing, practicing, practicing. Um, you know, Michael Jordan practiced all the time. <laughs> you know, you, yeah. no, no matter how great your talent is, there's no way that you can, can continue to grow and get better as if you don't practice. And, and then also learning your craft, which you were saying there about learning your, the equipment that you're using, and whether that be the camera or the uh and software programs and, and learning how, you know, to work those to create your art. That's very great advice. Thank you. Uh, I would say some of the getting to talk to other photographers, like when I talked to Rick Salmon at the Photo Plus mm-hmm. Expos, he started off as a basically a Photoshop photographer explaining kind of how that process goes. And, and whenever I get mm-hmm. to pick the brain of, of another photographer, okay, how did you shoot that? What kind of settings did you use? Uh, how do you mm-hmm. get this effect? Uh, that's kind of how you, you grow as an artist. But I had to make sure that I I got to understand my cameras first. It was a big leap going from a 35 millimeter up to up to a digital camera because the the way the settings are, they're a little different. The cameras have different tolerances, and mm-hmm. and it wasn't until right, I right. really got that that understanding in that I really was able to start making uh, good work. Well, and then just I think the other thing that you've done, and again, that I think it just you're you're creative and you're thinking of different ways of presenting your art, and I think that is a lesson that everyone should should uh, take to heart as well, because yeah, it does give you the ability to to separate yourself and your separate your art from from everyone else's. Well, Mitchell, I want to thank you for being with us today on An Artist Speaks. It was my pleasure. I didn't talk with you. 
Well, and I certainly appreciate the, you spending the time with us and certainly enjoyed uh, learning more about your, your art, and we look forward to seeing more of it here on the gallery. And you will. Thank you very much. And I also want to thank our listeners for being with us today. And again, to view Mitchell Spirit's stunning art, to listen to this interview, and of course, purchase some of Mitchell Spirit's art, visit us at ContemporaryArtGalleryOnline.com. I want to let all the artists listening in today know that Contemporary Art Gallery Online hosts a monthly art competition and exhibition. To enter your art, just click on the Art Competition tab and follow the prompts. And while you're there, you can check out all of our upcoming competitions and exhibitions. And if you're an architect, an interior designer, or a lover of art who likes to have interesting and beautiful art adorning your walls, then visit us at Contemporary Art Gallery Online and view some of the most exciting original art that you just can't find anywhere else. And while visiting our gallery, we would love for you to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and our blog. So please sign up so you can keep up with all that is happening at the gallery. An Artist Speaks airs every other Saturday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, so we'll meet again in two weeks. But next Saturday at this same time, be sure to listen to our show, The Business of Art, hosted by artist and published author Sharon Hawkshaw, as she shares tips and ideas on how artists can grow their business. Again, thank you for listening to us today, and have a great rest of your weekend.